Great big beautiful podcast with another unplugged episode. I am Justin Connors and I'm here with Jamie. Hi guys. Hey, and this is kind of our I keep explaining it, but just in case you haven't heard an unplugged before, this is just our, our t- not attempt. <laughs> we're, we're doing it, it's not an attempt. Um, <laughs> this is our, you know, kind of we're, we're not doing like a you know interview where we get the questions like jamie's doing an interview in it but it's not really the same it could be him at a comic convention or just a quick one things like that yeah they're they're kind of unplugged episodes are sort of our catch-all and it's it's anything goes you know it's a little bit more unstructured less uh formalized than the normal episodes um could be an interview could be just a bunch of us sitting around talking right Whatever goes. And it's generally quicker than, than the main yeah. one. Not necessarily, but generally. generally so yeah. we're going to get in and out, and we're not going to waste your time. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this week's uh, Unplugged, Jamie, you were in, you were at the Baltimore Comic-Con. Yeah, this was, we've been sitting on this one for um, entirely too long. This was a few months back uh, at Baltimore Comic-Con. I sat down with Matthew Daly and Raphael Sabarge. Uh, Matthew Daly is the co-writer and co-creator of Lantern City, um, which is a currently right now it's a uh, it's a comic book series with Arkea, um, which is an imprint of Boom Studios, um, and but they have big plans to branch out from there and become really a multimedia property. Um, they've already got plans to bring it to TV, um, and that's where Rafael Sabarge comes in. You may know him um, from Once Upon a Time. Uh, but he is attached to uh, to star in the uh, TV adaptation of Lantern City. So um, I sat down with the two of them and we talked about the book, the story, um, how they're both uh, involved with it, where it's going. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talk a little bit with Raphael about Once Upon a Time, um, and it's just sort of a it's a it's a nice conversation. We were just sitting; uh, it wasn't on the main exhibit hall floor, but um, you'll hear a lot of background noise. So. Um, you know the audio is still good, but it's mm-hmm. you know we were not sitting in a studio, so this that's right. just letting you know. <laughs> and that th- those are actually my favorite. I lo- I don't know why yeah. I have I have a thing about like on the show floor interviews. I think they're so fun. <laughs> it is a lot of fun, you know. It's it's so you'll hear people walking around. You I don't know. Uh, you might hear some like phone noises or whatnot. I got a guy um, yelling, "Hey, honey, do you know where the the churros are?" <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, guys. So we're gonna play that for you right now. about Lantern City for a little bit. Um, I know it was originally the brainchild of Trevor Crafts, um, and then he brought on you and Bruce Boxleitner. Can you just talk a little bit about how that sort of all came together and how you came on board? Yeah, absolutely. So Trevor came up with the initial idea really, uh, as he's told many times, really sort of had the idea of the world in his head before any of the characters or storylines or anything was thought out. And then he brought Bruce in, and they started to develop it, and they sent me about a a two-page treatment with some character descriptions of what they had in mind and a couple months later I came back with a whole lot more and so really the um, the original idea was what what is this dystopian steampunk world going to look like 
And so we started building that out and like, what kind of characters live there? What are the problems that they face? And sort of, you know, building out all the history before we really even started developing storylines. So sort of really trying to cover as much of the world building process as we could before the story ends. And then it became much easier to write the stories because yeah. sort of understand how, you know, the, the machinations of the world work. Yeah. And that was uh, a few years back. I was brought in early 2012, but I believe the idea was around 2010. And Bruce came in somewhere, I think, in 2011, then I was 2012, and now we're here. Now we're here. So how are um, Trevor and Bruce involved in the comic, or are they at all? Um, Bruce doesn't have too much involvement with the comic book. The storylines for the comic book uh, are, are separate from the, from the television storylines yeah. that uh, he and Trevor uh, initiated. And so uh, that's, it's been mostly driven by, by Trevor and I, and I, I developed all the, all the characters really, except three or four, uh, are not in the, in the TV world. Uh, there's a few, including Raphael's, that are in both. Right. Um, so that was, it, it was not, I don't say starting from scratch, but I had this idea that became the comic book that I would do as a novel, and I started writing it, about 40,000 words, and then with this great opportunity to pitch it as a comic book instead, so I sort of modified it a little bit and honed it and focused it a lot better. Yeah. And, um, and so it was, it, it was fun, and it was a very natural uh, progression, I think, to go from what we were developing for the television show compared to what we developed for the comic book. Sure. So the comic... Um, but you mentioned it's this dystopian future, so it's this, it's a dystopian future that's set, like really sharply divided along these class lines, um, and it's something that we've seen again and again in, in different forms of, of pop, popular culture and literature. And I'm wondering, is it what's the allure of that? I mean, is that some place that you you think that we're going to be headed, like as a society in reality? Is that why we keep like are we preparing ourselves for that, or is that just something that's so far out there that we'll never get there that that's what makes it a good story? Uh, well, let's see. That's a, that's a big philosophical question to start with. Let's see what time is it. Um, uh, you know, uh, it's interesting. I mean, it, it, the, the, the idea of dealing with, you know, class and society and who has money and who doesn't. Yeah. I mean, I just saw a play, a Jane Austen play last night, and that was, you know, um, decidedly in that as well. Right. So um, clearly uh, there's something that we all resonate with. I mean, obviously we have a country at this point that's pretty divided. We're in a city... Baltimore that's pretty divided we we have um, we have a lot of um, people who have you know I think what is it like the, the, the most extraordinary wealth is sort of I think concretized in about two percent of the yeah. population so so we have you know we're not so far from this right and yeah. we we live in a world of, of what often feels like you know a version of have and have nots while we're constantly also being sort of inundated with what you should be buying or having that you either can or can't have right, right. so so it, it, anyway the point is that we're clearly this is a uh, a story for the ages but but it's but it does seem to have a lot of really very immediate references um to where we are and yeah. and you know with you, know, you can go on and on in there what we're doing with climate change what's happening with kind of how what kind of our livability and 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 then how then you, um, what the what house the planet is going to be restructured perhaps by what's ahead and all these things sort of you know your your imagination yeah. you know uh, uh, runs uh, you know gallops away but but I what I love about the what they've done is they've taken a, um, a story I think we can all resonate with and they've put it in this world of steampunk which is really for all intents and purposes sort of a nation without a flag right mm -hmm. you've got I mean I've done cons all over the world and I'm always amazed at people who are, you know, 
not just devotees, like like fanatical about steampunk. Yeah. <clears throat> fanatical. Yeah, it's like huge. like it, it's huge. Yeah. And yet point to a vehicle, you know, that really helps kind of sort of identify that. Yeah. There ain't one. There isn't one, yeah. Right? So so it's very fan driven. It, it is. Yeah. I mean there are like forty fan conventions around the world that yeah. are just specifically focused on on steampunk. Yeah. So, so, and what, what plays into all of that, excuse me, I was going to put my, my stuff in my bag, what plays into all that is, in this case, um, a combination of things. One is sort of the imaginative nature of the stuff, the fact that it's handmade, the fact that it's kind of still feels 19th century, so something sort of tactile and kind of available to people. Um, the, 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 you know, the wardrobe, the clothing is a huge factor, and, and it's a very sort of romantic. The women look beautiful. The men mm-hmm. look dashing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you almost can't look bad in in, yeah. in, in those vests and the hats and the goggles. You know, yeah. <clears throat> and, um, uh, and 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 then there's a lot of really specific kind of like detail in all of the stuff that is made. All the little, um, which is they take such pride. Oh, so yeah. there's a whole maker's sort of element of this. Anyway, all of those things obviously sort of spark people's imagination. Um, in addition to that, I think obviously there's there's at the heart of this. I think it's a love story, right? Yeah. It's a real it's a real romance-driven, you know. What would as Trevor often says, what would you do, you know, for the love of your life? How sure. far would How you go? Would you go? Yeah. And and um, I think I think again, he's sort of wrung a lot of popular themes. I mean, obviously, look, um, uh, <laughs> sometimes things are are you say like, hey, it's been done a million times. Well, it's been done a million times because it, it works. But sure. it's always it's always how you swing the bat this exactly. time, right? So you know, did you hit it? Did you not? Exactly. It's a good theme, but did you hit it? Did you not? And, yeah. and what what what's been thrilling about Matt and and, and and all the work he's done with with Trevor, and then with kind of how they're developing this project, it's sort of exciting and dynamic, and <clears throat> and and kind of um, uh, multi-platform thinking from the very beginning of the project. Yeah. Right. What yeah. they're doing is they've created a project which is essentially destined to be a, a, a film project, right? Film TV project um, uh, that now has a novel, <laughs> you know, that, mm-hmm. that Matt wrote. It's got a, you know, this 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 graphic novel component which has broken sales records at Boom and Arkea, yeah. which is incredible. Yeah. Um, they're working on an RPG game. Oh, really? um, they've basically ex- expanded and exploded a social media presence that is a huge uh, sort of outreaching to, to fans and have, have made them very aware of the project. So you've already got a built-in audience. On a built-in audience, that's also completely un, untapped anyway. Yeah. So that's genius, yeah. I think. And and, and um, in addition to that, they've also sort of reached out to specific people in that community, sort of like the thought the, the, the thought makers in those communities who make things and invited them to bring stuff and, and put make props and stuff so that they're involved so they literally have their hands in this and their involvement so so it, it's it's a it's a really uh, sort of thrilling sort of somewhere between grassroots and big thinking mm-hmm. you know kind of way of approaching sort of getting a project off the ground yeah and and it is inherently fan uh, fan based in that it is really sort of trying to sort of really again uh, uh, create a flag that everyone can sort of rally around. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. how did how did you come on board? And anyway, I mean, was that was the whole steampunk aspect of it the allure for you? I love steampunk. I mean, I, I mean, I, I love the Wild Wild West was one of my favorite shows as a kid. Yeah. I've I was a big comic book collector. I've got all my stuff wrapped and put in boxes, and my kids will get them one day. But <laughs> don't touch them now. Yeah, right? I'm, the same, I'm the same way. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and um, so, uh, and I have, uh, you know, 
invariably what I love, I mean, look, I'm on this other show, Once Upon a Time, it's a genre show, and um, this is obviously a genre show. Um, I've enjoyed the ability to kind of, you know, work in, the <clears throat> in those kind of worlds. I've done other shows along, you know, over the mm -hmm. years that also have that kind of aspect. It's a, it's a, it's a very uh, juicy audience, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's clearly they drive these cons. They they they, yeah. um, they are very very vocal about what they like and they don't like. Um, I think you know the whole geek dad thing you, that is obviously your yeah. your publication. I mean, there, there's that geek. It's geek and chic have kind of sort of met, right? Yeah. Where you know it's kind of hip to be geek, and obviously you know so you know these devices we carry around, obviously, yeah. Twitter and all these things, create this sort of sense of um, itchy connectivity that we all have, um, yeah. and and so um, I I liked it for all of these things, um, particularly um, you know Trevor and I first connected and I liked him and I liked kind of his vision and and, and as a way of thinking, sort mm -hmm. of as a way of designing. You know, a lot of people have projects. Yeah. Um, this seemed like it had a lot more going for it. Yeah. Nice. Um, I'm glad that you mentioned all the different aspects because it was intended to be this transmedia property from the very beginning. So you've got the, right now you've got the novel and the comic series and the television shows coming up. And you mentioned that it's going to be an RPG game and there's this huge online social presence. Um, but I also understand that there's going to be like a, this interactive aspect with the fans where they can submit I like technology basically that they've you know invented or come up with and then it could be on the show or in a book and just yeah, talk well, about that. Yeah, well, so... That was one of the the original ideas, and which was why we, we sort of announced the, the project before it was quote unquote anything. Mm -hmm. It's because we wanted fan involvement, and people have been submitting for you know three years now. We have a forum on our website. People have submitted amazing designs and creations. It's from jewelry to weapons to you know vehicle designs and everything. And we were we were going to to start taking the submissions for this comic book specifically, but now we actually have partnered with Abadali uh, Jewels, who do uh, Game of Thrones and Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. Um, and there's another one I'm forgetting. But anyway, so they're designing jewelry that we're going to then incorporate into the comic book and then it'll be for sale and stuff like oh, that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so this is, it just happened this week. Uh, <laughs> Breaking and, and news. And so, <laughs> you know, I guess, you know, there's a lot of reasons I enjoy working on this project, but we've, we've always moved you know, been pushing forward with the idea of like bringing in as m as many great creators as we can, and I can try to think up an interesting piece of jewelry to describe it and put it in, and we'll see with how the artist Carlos Magno interprets it. But when you have professional jewelers yeah. crafting something, you know, handcrafting something, it's a big difference. It's like here, it's like oh, because yeah. there's there's nothing I could think of that's yeah. going to be better than what an actual jeweler is going to create. Yeah. But, but the thing that also that, that Trevor's done, which is incredible, is that we've got they've got the jewelers, but he's also got essentially you know the fellow who's the DP from Usual Suspects and X Men, who's Express yeah. Interest. He's also nice. got um, a, an enormous video effects company out of Canada, called Atmosphere, who want to partner um, and be a part of this, and, and they're an amazing company. He's also got um, obviously Bruce and I are interested, and there are other actors who've also already sort of said, hey, we want to we want to support this, we want to get on this. Um, uh, there are other, what is it, sort of behind the scenes, there's also, um, you have some other uh, designers, folks also. Yeah, and like some um, composers and, and Martin Wood, who's a showrunner and producer for the Stargate series. You know, you know what it is, and I think, for me, the, the steampunk was in the initial draw, I enjoy world building. Yeah. But more than anything else, I love developing, 
characters and then making them interact in messy situations. And I think yeah. that's where people really get involved. You know, it's like you can see the beautiful artwork. Uh, you can you can get excited about oh it's steampunk that's cool and yeah, we don't have that yet. But it's the characters that will keep you coming back, and that's what I'm big for. And you know, I spoke to a lot of people yesterday and. Everything they were saying was all character related. They had all kinds of questions about characters, and that's what's so important. I think that's why an actor is interested in, you know, you know, maybe a little bit more so maybe than a cinematographer. But even so, it's like you're going to be lighting people, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, the, the, maybe the one criticism, which is actually I sort of think is not a criticism, but maybe had, that came out initially when the book, when the comic book came out, was that well, it didn't seem steampunk enough. Yeah. And, and yet, in point in fact, it's set in the steampunk world, but, but it is goes to the heart of what Matt just said, which is at the end of the day, it doesn't live or die on steampunk. Yeah. It lives or dies on the characters the and you care and about characters. them, right? Yeah. And, and, exactly. and to that, I say, what, what does that mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> is everyone supposed to be, like, to totally, like, rigged yeah, out with stuff? It's like, yeah. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a Trojan horse, for sure, but it's yeah. not, there's nothing really yeah. there. But the, yeah. but the point is that, is that they've, they've created rich, interesting characters sure. in the world that, that hopefully you can sort of reach into, and then just it ha so happens that there's all these rings, you know, around yeah. it that then sort of also then appeal to that other uh, fan base as well. Yeah, and that, I mean, that is what it comes down to, because like you said, like, what, what is steampunk? It's like, what is science fiction? What is fantasy? You know, right. I mean, there, there's so many different right. aspects of That's everything, exactly right. and so it really is, do you connect with those characters, and is it a story that you're interested in? Well, when I said, uh, this is such a Baltimore shout-out, but I forgot to say this yesterday in an interview I did, but how I pitched it, Originally, it was like, it's going to be a, a steampunk show, yes, but it'll be like The Wire. Yeah. It's going to feel so lived in that these, you know, you, you just are so invested in the characters that you don't care if it's a police officer, you don't care if it's a drug dealer. They're people. There's your people. And yeah. that, you know, it's like, this is how I really believe these people would interact in this world. Yeah. You know, if, you're, if your biggest concern is, how am I going to feed my child and I have to work 18 hours a day and they're going to see them, do you care about, like, what trinket I have on? Like, right. no, you no. don't, you know, like, what yeah. top hat am I going to wear on goggles? No, it's like, <laughs> i got to work in this world. Oh, I have the wrong goggles on today. Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> Whatever. Well, I mean, so speaking of the characters, um, how does the TV, how will the TV show compare to the comic? I know that there are some characters that cross over, yours yeah. included. You're playing Kendall, and he's in he's in the comic now. Um, is it going to tell the same story, or is it going to be same same world, same some same characters but different story? Completely? Yeah, I mean, uh, what, what's been planned is that it'll be different core characters. Um, so, like a Sander will be a fringe character in, okay. in the show. He'll be there, but he won't be the main character okay. in all these characters. You know, where, where, you know, Raphael's character, Kendall, will will be a little bit more front and center. He's important in the comic book, obviously, but, you yeah. know, he disappears a couple issues and comes back. Sure. But, um, it also is going to be set after the comic book. And so it won't be like a parallel time. It'll be like, okay, a little bit afterward. After the, well, you'll see sort of the, the mess that occurs by the end of issue 12. Now yeah. we have the, sort of the after effects of that. And then we bring in our, our core characters. There's like three core characters, and uh, the, the idea has always been to have characters from our world that get transported there. Okay. So, which, uh, you know, Trevor always says is that it's a, probably for television viewers, well, it might be less true now, I mean, because when we started like five years ago, you know, Game of Thrones wasn't a huge hit, and you know, people are so steeped in genre yeah. tropes, but that, you know, maybe TV viewers need it so, like you know, guides from our world to sort of work through there. But uh, the idea has always been, even so, there'll be three characters who sort of interact within the different strata of the of the world, so that you get a flavor of each. Without you know, that's the one difficult thing about the comic book. I really had to figure out good natural ways to get this main character into different parts of the world. Because yeah. if not, if you only saw one part, you're like, oh, it's interesting, and then you'd be missing out on so much yeah, else. Yes, exactly. So. Um 
in addition to all the creative people that you mentioned and the impressive you know developers that are on the show I mean, we've got Raphael attached to it. You've also got John Rhys-Davies and Mira Fulan, who are, I don't know if they're officially attached, but they've expressed interest. So on paper, it's quite a pedigree, and it's impressive. Um, when can we expect to see it, and where is it going to be, and what, I mean, all that. Yeah, I mean, so it's a, it's a, it's, it's a long process to develop yeah. a TV show, obviously. Even with great people attached, it still takes a lot of work. But we have not stopped hustling for the last few years, and we won't stop till it's on TV. Yeah. You know, that's, that's just sort of the, uh, what, the slogan. What seems to happen is that every, every month or so, there's something else kind of jumps, jumps, on, the, jumps on the bandwagon, as yeah. it were, joins yeah. the circus. And, um, you know, there's a, there's, there's a desire for that, that Trevor's spoken to to want to be able to make sure that the show gets done, but it also that it, that it maintains the integrity of what he's already sort of really put in place. Mm -hmm. And so the, in, in the desire to kind of make sure that, that that's the case, um, it's about really, in a way, I guess the, the benefit is that it continues to sort of gain momentum in this particular trajectory yeah. with with fans, fan awareness and with, you know, again, the comic book and the novel and, and all these other elements. And, and, it, and it feels like uh, it's just sort of becoming sort of a bigger and bigger yeah. sort of car on the road, as it were. So, so you're moving in the right direction momentum-wise. Right? Yeah. Right. Well, you know, that's like. the one uh, beautiful thing about the comic book, too, is that at no point have we ever had to really tone down our vision or, or, or sacrifice anything, yeah. which is good uh, because the joke was when we first started out, <laughs> when we start pitching it to, to execs or producers, whoever, if they come back and say, well, we like this show, we like this idea, but let's put some zombies in there. Yeah. Like, absolutely, that's what we were thinking too. You know, but just, you know, yeah. ma maintaining, you know, maintaining your your dignity and original vision could be really tough. And obviously, yeah. things have evolved. Trust sure. me. Even what I wrote in, originally has changed a lot, but the, the you know, so the Before heart of it is there. Yeah. Yeah. So, is Bruce going to star, or is he just producing, or is he going to like he, he cameo? He wants to just produce, but yeah. I, I think we could give him some cameo. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, we could. Some background character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he in the camera. I don't yeah. Know. yeah. <laughs> I got a feeling. <laughs> um, and the comic is currently at issue five. Five. And is it only twelve, or are you ongoing? Well, this particular storyline is twelve. Okay. And. I've got two other storylines that I want to do, so we probably would take a little bit of a break, okay. just so then people can catch up and let all the trades come out yeah. over the course of like another year, and then get back and tell some of the uh, other stories I really want to tell, including one that uh, is uh, his daughter in the in the book was out. Nice. So he'd be he'd be back again in printed form. So Very nice. I've, I've, there's lots of stories to tell. There's yeah. a lot in this world. So. Yeah, and you found a really great home with Arkea. I mean, they it's brilliant. It's hard to find a bad book that they've put out. I mean, yeah. it's, oh, that's cool. It's, what, what do you know of Arkea? I mean, what, what's your? I'm a huge fan of all the Henson stuff that they do. They oh. they got the Jim Henson license, and yeah. you know, they even before they uh, were bought by Boom. Yeah. So uh, they've been they they've have a solid track record of putting out some really good books. That's cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. What about from your experience? Just do you have do you have have you seen projects come along like this with sort of a, a vision like this uh, of a multi-platform kind of vision? I have. Um, the tricky thing is, and as I'm sure you guys have already learned, is that it's difficult to implement. Um, and most most projects that come along and say, we want to be transmedia, we want to be, we want to be comics, we want to be films, we want to be TV, we want to be everything. They don't have, they don't have the will. You know, I guess they don't have the drive to keep it going because it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work just to do a comic, or it's yep. a lot of work yep. just to do a show. You know, yep. and yep. and to try to do everything with one singular vision and one singular story is incredibly difficult. Incredible. And I think this is really the first time that I've seen 
a quote unquote transmedia property get even this far. Um, and you know, with stellar, stellar work already, you know, I mean, with engagement with the fans and with the comic already and, you know, getting good people attached to, you know, something that's going to be coming still in the future. So yes, it's, it's been tried before, but I don't think anything has really seen this level of success yet. So you guys are in uncharted waters at this point. Yeah. I mean, it does, it requires a, a tremendous amount of commitment. One in which, you know, like Trevor and I have discussed a lot and, you know, continue to push forward. And it's funny, my wife would ask me, I think even when issue five came out and there's a particular variant cover for issue five that I love and I, you know, I brought it home when we got, you know, got the copies like two weeks early and I was like, look how amazing. And she's like, she's like, I know that you made the right decision to work on this project because it's almost four years later and you're still excited. Exactly. She's like that. And, and she's like, you wrote that issue months ago. And yeah. like, I was like, yeah, I am excited. It's, yeah. it's. Well, there's also because the there's so much to explore, and yeah. I say, I've said this a couple of times, so I, I apologize to anyone who's read this before, but I've said or heard this before that I've said. But what what I love about great world building is that you may never find the best story to tell in that world. Yeah. So think about like a Star Trek or a Star Wars. You know, we're getting look how excited people are for the new Star Wars movie. That might be the best one yet. We don't know. Because yeah. even people say like, oh well, the first one will always be the best. You never know. There could be a sure. particular st book series from Star Wars that you like the most, or a game series. Yeah. And that's what I think is so cool about what our world, and that's why it was really important for us to not just do, oh, let's do an ad adaptation of the scripts I already wrote for the TV show as a comic book, because you know what? We want to keep building this world out, because even we as the creators don't know what is going to be the best story. Yeah. Who's going to be the most interesting character? What's going to yeah. happen? That's what's, I think that's what's so exciting. And another creator or another writer could come along with some Absolutely. another idea set in that world that you were like, oh, that's brilliant. I didn't even yeah, think yeah. about that. And so Absolutely. And that happens all the time. That happens yeah. all the time, which is great, because we, we have so much, and we've had so much positive interaction with fans from the beginning too, which is nice. Yeah. And then, you know, you bring in all these other people and they're like, what about this, what about this? And I'm like, wow, yeah, yeah, didn't think of that. That's fantastic. Can I ask you a couple of questions about Once Upon a Time? Sure. Um, so, uh, and you've probably been asked this before, but be honest. Um, what were your thoughts when you were originally, when you first found out, you're like, I'm gonna be Jiminy Cricket? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, uh, the first thoughts were, I was and of course I was thrilled to be yeah. a part of it. I, I read the pilot, I thought, this is a really good show. They're gonna mess, I sure won't They're gonna mess it up. It's gonna mess it up, right. <laughs> um, and, uh, cause it just was so ambitious on the page. I thought, oh, come on. Yeah. And, and then, uh, and then it did, uh, uh, when, when they, when they actually screened it for the cast, we were all like slack-jawed and, and astonished yeah. by how much better it was even than we had hoped. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I was honestly I was very intimidated by it because it's such a fan favorite and and it has a it has a sort of deep. I mean, so the story of Jiminy Cricket is that it was in the the colloidal book originally, but it's a very minor character. And then when when uh, when they developed it as a as a screenplay, I guess Walt read the screenplay and said we need another character, and so they brought it sort of this little cricket thing from yeah. the background to the foreground, yeah. made him his conscience, and and it's become you know one of the great Disney songs and if you go to Disneyland or Disney World and and at the recycling bin it says you know they have Jiminy Cricket there yeah. which is you know your conscious be your kind yeah so I, I was a little intimidated by it honestly um, yeah. thankfully the writing has been really good so they were able to kind of give him a sort of a spine that didn't seem trickly or too um, glossy yeah. um, I felt that they gave him sort of a really painful background which yeah. kind of helps kind of sort of foment kind of a sense of um, uh, conscience came out of you know doing the right thing came out of having done the wrong thing for so long and that you then know the difference yeah and and, and that, that was a sort of a very powerful place to kind of really land on yeah. you know in terms of storytelling sure um, so 
I was grateful for that. But but you know, if you told if you pitched me the show, like yeah, we got this thing. We're gonna take all these <laughs> Disney characters. Yeah. We're gonna put them in a mashup, and um, it's gonna be produced by Disney, and it'll be a show. I'd be like, uh, are you I sure about see that? See how that's gonna work. But okay. <laughs> but but you know, of course they yeah. they they've killed it. So yeah. yeah. So have you been surprised at this just like roaring success of the show? Yeah. It. it, it, it Yes. Yes. I mean, we, I remember even when we, like it was the second season, we were shooting in Steveson, which is this little town that we shoot the show, um, which is that little main town. And um, literally almost like from one day to the next, we, were, we would just be outside shooting, right? Yeah. And then literally like 100 people showed up. Yeah. <laughs> and then it turned into literally like 400 people. Then you had to go into hiding. <laughs> and then, I mean, I can't imagine now what what Josh and Jenny and then Lana have to deal with in terms of just being able to go out in the public. I mean, yeah. I, I, I I get a fair amount of attention, but um, I'm also not on the show as much anymore. I'm doing another show. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's it's pretty intense. It's pretty, yeah. the, the the world is it's so hit a nerve. Yeah, it and really it's, has. It's, and it and internationally, I mean, I get you know tweets from Russia and China yeah. and Korea and I mean like South America and I mean it's. It's from, as a worldwide yeah. sort of uh, vehicle, it's been astonishing. Yeah, I was a few months ago. I was at the D twenty three Expo, yeah. which is all Disney, and uh, so I mean it was everything that they had. So it was Marvel and Star Wars and Disney and parks and, and, and history and everything. But the Once Upon a Time fans and the the presence that was there, they were they were the most vocal. I mean, like Ginny was there and she did a, perfor- a, a presentation and like Sweet. you couldn't get anywhere near her. I mean, it was just yeah. like it was it was insane yeah, the level of excitement. Rock stars. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, absolutely. Now, because it's been on long, this is going into season five, I think, right? So now I have a, I have a daughter who who's just turned five, but she's seen some ads for it, and now she wants to watch. Yeah. So you're gonna get the whole, you know, this is what happens when shows are given time to breathe and to grow exactly. and stuff. And not just you start to, right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're gonna. I mean, not that everything should stay on the air, but I'm saying, right. you know, when something <laughs> has, you know, I mean, you said like when you've read that pilot, like, well, this is something special when it's allowed to, to be that, and it's like, yeah. there you go. So. You did have a recurring role for a few episodes on Star Trek Voyager, but was Once Upon a Time really your first exposure to sort of like this, like the rabid fans and that this fan culture? Yeah, and and then it uh, it's weird because I hadn't really done much with this, and someone said, you know, what about that? Because I'm also I do these voices for Mass Effect, right? right? So it's right. another, and I hadn't really, uh, I wasn't aware, honestly. I just yeah. I wasn't I wasn't hip. Yeah. And I was sort of made hip, like, you know, you really should sort of think about this Mass Effect thing. And and Mass Effect as a video game, you know, is a uh, huge, yeah. huge really, audience. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, it's been compared to the Star Wars of video games, I guess. Yeah. That's not me. That's someone else who said that. So, <laughs> so um, and I, and I, because um, uh, I'm not a gamer, but I, I've played, I've played Mass Effect a little bit. Um, yeah. But I, but I can say is that uh, somehow with a combination of then, Mass Effect, Once Upon a Time, and then some of the ancillary things that I've done, you know, Star Trek, or, yeah. you know, um, uh, I don't know, La- the Avatar, or, I don't know, yeah. other stuff that I've done, yeah. it seems like I've suddenly had a, I suddenly had street cred in the geek yeah. world, right? So, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, walk- a small I'm thing. walking down the hall, it's right? It's not right? a small thing, I tell you. <laughs> you just look around you today, and it's not a small thing. <laughs> right. um, so, it's it's take, it's got me on a few airplanes, is what I can say. Excellent. So I've traveled a lot. But, excellent. But, I, but um, yeah, no, it, it's it's wonderful. I'm 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 thrilled about it. I'm I'm, um, you know, I'm not on Once Upon a Time much anymore. Um, uh, but I I still love 
obviously being you know coming to coming to these events and 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 more than anything I'm, I'm excited in this case to turning back to our subject which is to yeah. sort of try and sort of see where taking any of that um, uh, that that buzz as it were and, and, and turning it towards sort of a in this case a really uh, yeah. Really good. I mean, the pilot script is fantastic. It's a really, it's a really good script. Yeah. So, so uh, I'm excited about it. Um, Excellent. You should be. If I can share just a little bit of a bragging comment. Please. Because yeah. I mean, this isn't. I can't put this on my resume, but um, after it was sent to uh, John Rizzi, he emailed back. He Bruce had sent it to him and emailed him back. He said, "This is the best genre script I've read in 30 years." And I was like, "Wait." You were in Lord of the Rings. Exactly. Like, wait, a, wait a minute, can I put that on my resume? Like, I better, better than, than Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that was, you know, but that's exactly, you know, the kind of reaction we get from everybody that, you know, finally takes a minute to look at. It's like, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, this is pretty special. And you've been good, getting good fan reactions at the shows you've been to. Oh, phenomenal fan. I mean, I, I felt like a rock star yesterday. I did a signing on Thursday night. I, yeah. I literally felt like I was, you know, the President of the United States. So people were treating me. I was like, oh, this is phenomenal but you know I I have the same feeling about other comic books or books or films I you know I, I have such a passion for them and now being on the receiving end of that I mean I, I'm flattered I, I would never I would never be a you know like a jerk creator writer type or you know like oh I don't have time for you or anything like that it's it's amazing just being able to talk to people and hearing what yeah. they have to say I mean I'm so honored absolutely awesome. so honored awesome. thank you guys so much for your time oh, this is great Well, that's it for this week on our episode of Unplugged. I hope you're liking these little mini episodes that we're doing for you. They're a lot of fun. I really like them. I do too. It's uh, you know, like we said at the top, it's sort of a, it's our it's our chance to sort of be uh, a little bit more free and and mm-hmm. just have fun with it. And we have big plan. Well, I have big plans. I don't know if Jamie does, but I have big plans for this, and I just need to I need to get it going. And Justin we, needs a little kick in the pants. Yes. So any of you out there who are enjoying this and like to see more <laughs> of them, feel free to give him an online right. virtual kick in the butt. Exactly. And we what we <laughs> what eventually we want to do is have like little round tables where we invite other podcasters, other bloggers on to talk about geek stuff. And we're gonna, we're going to do it. So hang in. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm along for the ride. <laughs> All right. All right. We are at the GBB podcast on Twitter and we are at the GBB podcast on Facebook. Just search it. You'll find us. And I am at 140 Justin C. I'm at the Roarbots. <laughs> Thanks again, guys. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geek dad.